One Emotional Podcast, conversations for inspiration on the go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Claudia. How are you? It's a pleasure to have you here in Luan Emotional Podcast. Marion, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited to talk to you, to converse about this uh, topic that I want to deepen a little bit more with you. Mm, amazing. Claudia has today an amazing topic that's very relevant for Luan Emotional Museum. We're going to cover that in a bit. But before we start, I would like to give a little bit of introduction of who this amazing woman is. So Claudia, she's a functional medicine practitioner. She's a registered dietitian, a world triathlete, an exercise physiologist and endurance coach. Claudia is moved by holistic well-being and performance. She helps her patients get to the root cause of an illness in order to guide them into becoming well-being agents through her unique take on health as a practical, fun, and essential path towards optimized well-being and performance. Claudia has experience working with patients with thyroid problems such such as Hashimoto, hypothyroidism, digestive problems, hormonal imbalances, sugar imbalances, autoimmune diseases, leaky gut, metabolic imbalances, performances in sports due to illness or deficiencies, mental health problems, HPA excess dysregulations, and other conditions that do not support the optimization of health and well-being. She has an amazing track record, and I have personally worked with her, and I think her work is completely amazing. She changed my life. So it's amazing excited to have you here. And one of the topics that uh, we would like to discuss today is, you know, for Luan Emotional Museum, emotions are such a crucial part of our well-being, right? And our human experience. We wouldn't be humans if we would not be experiencing emotions, right? And we've covered emotions through different lenses in different podcasts and different content that we have inside Luan, but we haven't covered the relationship in emotions directly related with our health, specifically our digestive system. What can you tell us about this relationship between emotions and our gut health? Well, it's actually really, thank you for that introduction. And I just want to say that you're an amazing patient. You're really disciplined and I love how you see everything really well-rounded. And I think that has helped us uh, to, uh, to become, to achieve, to achieve your objectives and your health. So thank you for your trust in that process. Um, I'm getting back to your question. Um, emotions and microbiota, who would have thought that there's a huge, huge relationship in between those, uh, those, those two different systems. Um, and, there's a lot of history about that, and it all started in 1971 in a study with the germ-free mice study. And I, I just want to, every time I, as someone asks me about the relationship between your gut, your brain, your emotions, your microbiota, I always start telling people about this important research in 1971 about the germ-free mice study. What does that mean? they started to compare a germ-free mice with a genobiotic mice, another type of mice that they were raised more like in earth and dirt. Mm -hmm. And a germ-free mice, is, it was, they were raised in a, in a lab without being exposed to the, uh, to the ambience, through dirt. 
and they started to see that the, the brain chemistry of the germ-free mice started to work really differently. Their response to stress was way bigger if they compare it to the genobiotic mice. The genobiotic mice have different stress circuits that help them to be more at ease compared with the germ-free mice. So that was like a huge thing in the community of the gut-brain connection. And it all started between the mice. And actually, after, in 1998, this um, researcher called um, Michael Derstom, he actually coined the microbiota as your second brain. And everybody started to get a little bit crazy after that information because what the brain, it has a blood brain barrier. So none of the bacteria could go to, through the brain, but they didn't know that bacteria in your gut connect and communicate to the brain through the nervous vague, through the vagus nerve actually, you know, which is a huge nerve that goes from the head to every single organ. Of your, of your systems. So certain type of bacteria started to produce certain type of molecules that, um, that tone the, the vagus nerve and helped produce certain type of neurotransmitter like serotonin, dopamine, et cetera. So it was, it was 1971 with that study, then 1998 with this researcher that coined the microbiota as your second brain. And then in 2004, there was a study, it was, this was really interesting, that um, major depression in humans was, uh, they actually, the, um, their poop, they actually transplanted, transplanted poop, fecal matter into rodents. Mm -hmm. And rodents start to get a little bit depressed. Mm -hmm. And that was like a huge thing in the scientific community, in the gut brain uh, community. So after that, people started to question what happens if you have a dysbiotic gut? What does a, a dysbiotic gut mean when your um, bacteria, your good bacteria, bacteria and your bad bacteria are imbalanced? You have a little bit more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And that is a dysbiotic bacteria. So when you have a dysbiotic bacteria, it actually permits in your brain and in your brain brain chemistry. So that that was huge. So if I'm telling you a little bit about the history of the gut-brain connection, there are a lot of studies now that confirm that if your gut, if your microbiota is not doing that well, it's not balanced, you will suffer a little bit uh, with imbalanced emotions, like anxiety, depression, your response to stress would be more acute. So it all started with that. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit of the history. Of course. No, and that's, that's fascinating. And I think that nowadays we, we live kind of like this germ-free ambience, right? That we use antibacterial gel, you know, all of the toxins that we might be having in our shampoos, in our soaps, in our cosmetics, you know, maybe makeup or any, or any other thing. You know, we're constantly being bombarded with more toxins, but we are not being, you know, 
we play less with the earth, with the ground, you know, we, we work less with the plants or with the animals. So also I think that would be, you know, changing our, our gut health and especially, you know, this is a huge topic, right? But especially the foods that we consume and the seeds that those foods have, that is everything, you know, quite processed has a huge impact on our gut, right? What have you seen, you know, from the past I don't know, like, you know, all the processed foods, when did it actually like started booming? Maybe 1970s, 1960s, more or less. You know, how has our health declined since we started consuming processed foods? Well, actually, it was, I, I know I always go to years, but I think this stuff is really cultural and politically, uh, economically influenced. Mm -hmm. And actually, in 1960s, I don't know who, what president was out there in the US, I think it was Eisenhower. Um, he actually started to have, um, heart problems mm -hmm. and he was talking to a physicist. Um, he was Ansel Keys, I guess he was like, um, cardiovascular, um, doctor. And they thought actually that fat was, uh, blocking the arteries mm -hmm. and that that was making your cholesterol, your back cholesterol go up. So it all started through there that people started to create products, 0% fat, okay, that that created a big, a big bowl of snow into creating this type of ingred, uh, controversial ingredients, you know, like um, emulsifiers, different type of artificial coloring um, that it helped make a product better, but the product was, or, or the food was not a food. It was actually a product. So it all started through there that get, get out the fat, get out the fat. If you get out the fat, if you take the fat away, what are you going to put? Sure. Inside? So that it all started right in the eighties with the fat free, the Atkins diet, everything. When you, you try to extirpate, all the fat and, and food. And if you go to the 1920s, 30s, 40s, people were cooking with, um, uh, how, how do you, not, it's not pig oil, man. It's uh, manteca de cerdo, which is mm, you know, like real butter. Yeah, let me say that, real, That's real nice. butter, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, it all has changed. It all has changed and starts always with one person that has an authority in a way. So, and they change how we respond and they, people change our guts when it's not the world per se, it's us. Of course. No, it's really, it, it's really interesting. Were you, for example, in those types of diets by any chance? I think because I, I was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I definitely tried like a 0% fat diet. And I always had digestive problems, oh, but all yeah. the time. I was constipated 24-7. It's terrible, oh. yeah. I think I've been, I see one of the earliest diets that I did, I think was kind of like the South Beach diet, no? Mm -hmm. My digestive, um, you know, system was okay, but my anxiety, you know, was just like, you know, it was 
like zero zero sugar whatsoever no and and it was kind of like doing you know, i think the concept of dieting eventually it's you know i think we've seen that it doesn't work right it's a multi-billion dollar you know industry around the world and we haven't actually seen that there's one diet that fits all right we, we know more or less what are kind of like you know the the health um kind of like whole food diets no that's more kind of like approved but for some people could be better to do paleo for other people could be you know doing keto diet or any other diet right something that we know for sure is that the less processed the things that we eat the better right correct oh that's for sure and something that i think it's um quite fascinating is that you know how did we got where we are and what are we going to do about it Right from this moment on, you know, I wanted to ask you: What are the, for example, the uh, implications that you've seen? What emotions are being affected by having these biases or by having, you know, this gut imbalance? We know for sure, and you know, there's many scientific studies about uh, depression and, and anxiety. But for example, the other day I read about people that have candida start having low self-esteem, and that really shocked me. How could you have a low self-esteem from a fungi or you not know, that you have living in your digestive system? It's like really incredible that it has that amount of impact in our health. Yes. And I mean, at the end, we are, we're a bacteria. We're made by a, a trillion of bacteria. There's three more times bacteria than cells in our, in our body. The world was created through a bacteria, through a genotype. Um, so right now, there are two types of epidemics. Mental health, depression, mostly, and digestive issues, epidemics. But they, in, if you go to a conservative psychiatrist that maybe um, he or she hasn't been reading what's out there, they are not going to relate or vinculate this relationship. And actually, in 2013, in the Journal of Biological Psychiatry, they coined the term psychobiotics, mm. like uh, how uh, good bacteria could help actually your, psychi your psychiatry problems, mm. you know, your mental illnesses. And the problem is this. Every time, if you have a dysbiosis, if you have candida, which is a yeast, mm -hmm. that we, 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 we only don't have bacteria, good bacteria, we have yeasts mm -hmm. as well. Um, every time you feed a bad bacteria or you feed a yeast, they produce their, their, their own fecal matter. Mm -hmm. They produce their, they, they, they're human. They're, they're not human organisms, but they are alive. They're an organism, obviously. So every time you give, you give food or, or feed your candida or your bad bacteria, you're, they're going to produce LPS, which is lipolysaccharides, which is a um, component that creates inflammation, okay, through the body. And when you have inflammation, you, you push your body into a fight and flight mode. So that will change your emotions. That will change how you react to anything in the world. So it, it provides, that being said, your nervous system is regulated. If you have an irregulated nervous system, you, if, if someone comes to you and yells, you're going to respond yelling back. 
-hmm. If you have a good uh, flora, you're not going to respond yelling back. And mm -hmm. if you go back, it's all that you gave, you fed the candida, you fed the bad bacteria that produce LPS. LPS produced inflammation. Inflammation made your nervous system unbalanced and regulated. So it's if you connect the dots, it's really impressive. And in 2013, the biological, biological psychiatry, mm -hmm. when they found out that certain type of bacteria, good bacteria like Bifidobacterium and Lactobacillus, mm -hmm. taking topically, taking consume if you consume supplements, they you actually change how you respond to stress mm. and the perceived um, stress after two weeks was less, mm -hmm. and anxiety and the perceived anxiety um, emotion was less as well. So it was also, everybody started to be, to, to start to think that if once you go to psychiatrists, instead of them giving you an SSRI yeah, to do yeah. up your serotonin, it was a better practice without side effects to give you the psychobiotics. <laughs> I don't know actually who's actually really practicing that. Like, I, I don't know any anyone in my circle that is practicing. I don't know. Do you know somebody that is giving probiotics to people who have mental health issues? I've heard um, some, so I have some people that I know that are practicing that in San Francisco, mm. but they're also practicing with other things and they're using also psilocybin and other different, you know, substances because they have also... Uh, research that psilocybin also has uh, antiviral properties. So they're testing, you know, how to cure either uh, mental health imbalances and some different kind of like viral um, infections mm. through different natural things like probiotics and psilocybin. But mm. for sure, there's lots of data and there's lots of, you know, courses around the world, you know, talking about this important relation on um, the microbiota, microbiota and our, our, our mental health. For example, I recently read an, an article that said that, you know, eating sugar actually caused, you know, many mood disorders. And it, it actually talked about having kind of like this Jekyll and Hyde uh, temperament, you know, meaning kind of like having really highs and really lows, right? And um, when you ate sugar, and also it has to do because also, you know, sugar, you know, has this vicious circle that you, maybe you're stressed. Now you eat sugar to calm the stress down, to make you feel a little bit better, right? About the situation you're living or these, you know, emotions that you don't want to, you know, maybe touch or process, right? Then you're feeding, you know, your gut, you know, things that it doesn't need, right? It creates these LPS, right? It creates this, you know, inflammation and then it gets your body more stressed. And then because you have more stress then you're going to eat sugar again. And that's kind of like the vicious circle. And that's why we're having this inflammation epidemic around the world, right? It's not, you can see, you know, um, you know, people, so the inflammation is really visible, right? It's, it's um, easy to see. And of course, with inflammation, then you have many other chronic illnesses 
that, you know, are start declining the quality of life that people are having. And it all starts with having access to these kind of foods, but these kind of foods that are processed and that have a lot of sugar and salt and, you know, processed ingredients also at the same time are quite accessible and they have a long shelf life. So for our busy lifestyles that we're having nowadays in different parts of the world, in different cities that everything is more hectic, of course, sometimes it makes more sense maybe to, you know, bring something on your bag that's going to last for, you know, many hours instead of having a fresh salad. But first of all, in some countries, it's going to be more expensive, no? And then um, obviously would have uh, a shorter life than other products. So I think we need to, I don't know if, if, if it starts from the consumers that we need to start raising our voices and we start to, to make, you know, different choices or if, we, or, or if it starts with taking the information outside because, you know, there's many... Th- I don't know, documentaries, Netflix, and many others talking about these health epidemics, but our bodies are kind of like hooked to these processed foods. And, and the thing, you're raising a really important point right now because that brings me to the word, to the phrasing, instant gratification, mm-hmm. right? Um, and food, processed food could be really... Um, pushes your instant gratification. It's a vicious cycle, like you said. And and, and the thing is, you probably heard of the study of the marshmallow. Yes. Um, if you give a kid, um, you, you give a kid two options, right? The, either I give you one marshmallow right now or I give you two marshmallows in two or three hours. Mm-hmm. And what they saw as well, I don't know if they have related it to the microbiota and, and, and how the microbiota of these children were, was created or their biome. Um, but I think um, there are some studies that people that have a good balance of good bacteria can delay certain types of decisions easier than other people who have um, an imbalanced bacteria. So as well, it affects your decisions, either if it's a good decision or a bad decision. Mm-hmm. You know, that's as important as that, because if you think about it, um, there's a lot of consumption of sugar okay, and simple carbohydrates like uh, flours, uh, bread, donuts. And how are we deciding or who is deciding for deciding for us or bad bacteria deciding for us if you go like and start to deep in that you start to think of oh my gosh I'm, i i really have to change my i i have to restart or reboot my digestive system in order for me to start doing or choosing better in my life so that impacts what you do and how you do it as well and that impacts your um, future decisions. Totally. So I think it's a huge thing and process goods. Totally. And that's a very important topic because most of the times, right. When we were, when we want to start, you know, healthy eating or we want to, you know, change our habits and then we eventually fail at it. Right. The first, you know, kind of like emotions that we start feeling are, you know, guilt, hopelessness, right? This is this sensation of despair, like, oh, man, I'm, I need to start again. Why am I not, not able to take care of my health? And then we kind of like, you know, we start kind of like 
hurting ourselves and not, you know, having that, you know, respect and that self-love and that self-compassion, because we think that, you know, the, the foods that we choose to eat, they only have to do with will. And it doesn't, if you have an imbalanced, you know, gut, eventually you're going to have these uncontrollable cravings for sugar, because that's what the, what the bad bacteria or the, or the bad, you know, um, um, yeast as well wants to eat. Right. So it's kind of like if you would have these living organisms that are making the food choices for you, and then you have this um, kind of like system, economic system that makes it quite easy and affordable for you to consume these products. <laughs> right. And eventually, we feeling, you know, we're having this epidemic of mental illnesses. So it's crazy. It's, it's, it's really interesting because our context is making us wired to eat mm-hmm. really to eat all those types of stuff. And, and I, I actually always say that you punish yourself. Yeah, like you were saying, when you have this uncontrollable craving and you need more willpower in order to control it, but it's actually not willpower. Yeah. It's your gut. It's your unbalanced gut. And I know that a lot of people, if they're, when they hear this, they will, they will be like, oh gosh, that makes me more at ease because it was not, yeah, it was your mind telling you to do something, but directed by the gut, not by you and your personality. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, your cravings are not about willpower and extending or expanding that willpower. It's about creating this balanced God and healing from the inside. Mm-hmm. That's such so, a topic. Yeah. And I think it's important to repeat it again because, you know, uh, for everyone that's listening right now, maybe you can be beating yourself up for, you know, not following maybe a diet or healthy eating. And sometimes, you know, the decisions that you're making has to do with your gut. So please just have, you know, the time if possible, if you can afford it, if you have, you know, time for it, but put it in a priority to check on your gut. How is your gut health? How many, you know, the diversity of your gut, the imbalance or the balance that you might have in your gut, because just checking at it and doing something about it can literally change your life. And also, and it- actually, yeah. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's really easy to see if your gut is balanced. So yes, maybe you can do testing and it actually really helps, but the, your body and your stomach is actually in your, um, microbiota, your gut instinct, everything it's selling you. If you eat something and you get inflamed, that's, that's your God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. If you have an acid reflux, that's your God speaking to you. If you hear a lot of uh, weird sounds and and you have this uh, gastritis, that's your God telling you something. If you cannot go to the uh, restroom every single day at least once and you're usually constipating, you're constipated, your God is telling you something. If you have diarrhea or you switch in between being constipated and diarrhea, your gut is telling you something. So it's not that hard to identify. We're, the thing is that we're not listening. And we believe that either IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, or IBD, irritable bowel disease, or so, which is uh, bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine, or 
SIFO, which is bacteria, no, yeast, fungal overgrowth in the small intestine, all of that, with all of those types of diseases or conditions, we think that they just happen to us, but it actually was our decisions, the type of food that we're eating, the vicious cycle, the processed food, and we, we can control that. Yeah. And we don't need actually a medicine to stop that. Mm-hmm. But we, we control that with our, with our habits. Totally. What are the, for example, the things that we can start doing like right away? Like what are so, the things you need to remove? What are the, there's something about kind of like the four R's, right? Like remove, restore, replenish. Um, yes. And the um, Institute of Functional Medicine, they work with the four R's. In the California Center of Functional Medicine, they work just with two R's, mm-hmm. which is um, um, eliminate, well, um, eliminate and then refeed the good bacteria. So remove uh, there's a difference. Huh? Re- uh, remove. Refeed. And refeed. Remove, mm-hmm. remove, and refeed. Correct. Remove and refeed. So first you have to know what pathogens you have inside of yourself, either if it's a candida, any type of candida, albicans crusade, or if you have like a bad bacteria, like either E. coli, C. difficile, or salmonella, or other type of bacteria, you have to study your gut a little bit better, you know? And then um, mm-hmm. you can remove. With a fecal test, right? It's very- with a fecal yeah. test. The stool analysis test, mm-hmm. um, um, first of all. But sometimes you don't even have to go to a stool analysis test and you can rebalance your bacteria because maybe you don't have a bad bacteria really invading. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you just have like a dysbiosis or a flora, uh, which is not uh, well balanced, but you don't have like a pathogenic bacteria really like giving you hard stuff, giving you hardship. So sometimes it could be a little bit more simple mm-hmm. and start reducing or eliminating sugar. That could be a first. Mm-hmm. And after like a step two could be um, eliminating gluten and um, dairy. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. Intolerances usually make a difference in your gut. And after eliminating these types of that are not helping you, um, is to start feeding your gut with foods that help you. And in in 2016, actually in the Journal of Trends of Neuroscience, not gut oriented, but neuroscience, which is what's it was really like important. They um, there was a study that proved how to manipulate your bacteria gut brain connection through fiber mm. okay and um so they instead of just t- taking probiotics you can start taking prebiotics which is um fiber that gives that feeds your good bacteria so if you feed your good bacteria that will multiply or that will make your good bacteria even stronger mm-hmm. and there's a saying in the world of the of the microbiome that a germ kills a germ mm. and if there's like more good bacteria they will turn uh, to the uh, away from the, they, w- they will kill the bad bacteria if there is more bad bacteria they will um fight the good bacteria So you need to make the good bacteria stronger. However, you make the good bacteria stronger when you don't have a pathogenic bacteria, like a bad bacteria. So I just want to make that clear. 
no? Because then you give the good bacteria, you feed the bad bacteria. And that, so that is why in functional medicine, you have to remove and then refeed first. And most of the times, if you already have, you know, bowel disturbances also might be good to check uh, for food sensitivities, right? Because most of the time, if you have an unhealthy gut, it's quite probable that you're going to have food sensitivities. That's the, that's for sure. And, and if you have a lot of food sensitivities, you're going to have leaky gut. Mm-hmm. which that's the worst problem. And that, that relates to autoimmune diseases, but we don't even want to go that there because that's like that fourth step mm-hmm. if you're all the way down there. But um, yeah, um, people usually ask me what type of prebiotics are your favorite? Like any that type of fiber. And I usually say that um, garlic and onions are great. They're, and they're really easy to get, really use. They have really good prebiotic bacteria. Do you, do you use or do you tend to use certain type of prebiotic that you like? Yes, I actually uh, tried this one that's called Thrive. Uh, I think there was in this conference that we saw each other in this biohacking conference. And, um, and they have prebiotics, probiotics, and they also had this kind of um, something to heal for your leaky gut. So I took those three and um, it actually helped a lot. I've been taking, you know, probiotics and prebiotics almost every morning for the past, you know, maybe three years. And I've seen that it, it, it does have this health impact, right? But I wouldn't say that it's kind of like the only thing, you know, to address. If you don't make the dietary changes, then your body's not going to reduce that stress or that, or that um, inflammation, right? And something fascinating that I, that I, that I researched is that also these um, gut imbalance has a lot to do with, you know, with brain problems, right? And I read that also, for example, candida, when you have a lot of candida overgrowth, kind of like stage three, stage four overgrowth, then you start having the same symptoms as Alzheimer's. And if you have other types of, you know, bad yeast or bad bacteria, you also start having memory problems and, you know, and feeling that your cognitive abilities are kind of like fading away. And I know for the past maybe two months, I've heard so many people say like, oh my God, my memory is so bad. Oh, I can't even remember anything. Oh, I miss this. Oh yes, it's, it's happening a lot, you know? And I wonder, you know, it can't be our age as so just that because I've seen people, you know, in their teens, in their twenties, in their sixties, and they're all saying exactly the same thing. So I'm sure it has to do with this inflammation uh, epidemic that we're seeing because it's not, it's not common for all of, you know, the people that, you know, all of the population to start losing their memory. And it has been like studies show that the memory loss that we're having as human beings, were, first of all, has to do with the habits, for example, in our, in our, in our mobile phones are a big distressor of that because for example i read this uh book by jim quick called limitless now and it talks about how we're training our minds to constantly instead of like before we used to be in our computer and maybe you can be you know doing deep work for 20 minutes 50 minutes no and nowadays you're starting in five minutes and then you check and you need to send a message on your WhatsApp and then you're checking something else and then you continue. And then you're training your mind to constantly get distracted from the 
from the thing that you're doing. So one thing is behavioral, that yeah, it's true, right? This technology could be making our memory shorter, shorter and our attention span shorter. But also I think that something in the inflammation, in the food that we eat, in the lifestyle, that's also declining that memory. Um, you nailed it. And I know that I always say there's a study, but I keep reading all the journals uh, to have more information. But uh, there's a study in 2018 that mm -hmm. they grab um, like 40 healthy men because uh, you in, in a study, either they grab, grab subjects that they are sick mm -hmm. and it's really different the um, conclusions yeah. with sick subjects and with healthy subjects. Mm -hmm. So they grabbed 40 healthy men and some of them, they gave them placebo, mm -hmm. no? And some of them, they gave them the psychobiotics. Like it was Bifidobacterium lactobacillus, this, um, this good bacteria, this uh, probiotics. Mm -hmm. And they went through an, uh, they underwent through a, to an intelligence test, mm -hmm. through an, an intelligence test. And the healthy men who were actually taking the good bacteria, the probiotics, the psychobiotics, they improved statistically like 20% better. And so it was a significant improvement in cognitive function and in memory. Imagine that. 70%. It was insane. 20%, no, 70%. And, and 20%, sorry. But, Yeah, but it's in the study, it's like a lot. 20% is like huge, mm. huge, huge, huge. Even 5% would have been huge. Mm -hmm. So 20% was like, oh my gosh, it was what's happening. And there's you know, another term that well, they are um, the scientific um, community in digestive issues, they are um, talking about postbiotics. Mm -hmm. So there's prebiotics, uh, probiotics, and postbiotics. Mm. So every time your good bacteria eats its fiber or eats its prebiotic, they um, secrete short-chain fatty acids. Mm -hmm. It's called butyrite. I, have you heard of butyrite? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. So the thing was that this man had... More, uh, diverse bacteria and the diets were normal in a way but they confused they consume fiber but because they have better bacteria they they consume fiber they produce more chain fatty acid that improves the cognitive function and memory of them so for sure there are a lot of Um, and with my patients, every time I eliminate or remove, eliminate more than remove, because you don't remove the candida, you eliminate the excess of candida or yeast, their brain fog reduces by a 60, 70%. It's crazy. I've actually, so, I've actually. Tell me about that. Tell me about how what you felt because we're working on that. Yeah. I think that the beginning, like, well, before we started, um, working together and why I reached out was because I felt that my memory, I was losing my memory completely, completely. And like things that I know is not kind of like my brain performance per se, kind of like, you know, you know yourself, right? A bit and you know more or less how you function. And then I was seeing that 
you know, I wasn't absolutely remembering anything. If I arrived to a meeting and then we, I don't know, had, you know, specific um, agreements after the meeting, kind of like, I forgot exactly what were like the three point agreements, you know, like important stuff like that, that was losing. Right. And I felt brain fog and especially I felt a lot of fatigue, a lot of fatigue. So it was like, okay, then I went kind of like to see the doctor and the doctor was like, okay, well, you have two kids, right? Um, your youngest one is almost a year old. So, you know, it's, it's probably that. And then another doctor is like, oh no. So then you, you have long COVID. You already got COVID. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, okay that you like visit other doctors and they were like you have a stressful just because kind of like to to check right so, so kind of like if, if, if there was something and then the other doctor was like no no that's long covid the thing that you're experiencing that has happened to all my patients that that has had covid and then i was like oh, i know myself i know i know that this is not this is not covid i know that this is not this mommy burnout kind of thing from the first year because you know yourself and i already had another son right my firstborn so i know that eventually you know after you you know kind of like leave postpartum you kind of like start feeling like yourself and i wasn't feeling like like myself no so when i started working with you and i think something really important like the most significant effects that i've seen first of all and when i was like really surprised i felt a higher sense of confidence that was like, you know, kind of like number one, because I felt, well, first of all, kind of like I felt that my brain was, you know, working again. <laughs> and the second one, I think that it really has that effect in your self-esteem, right? Second one, I felt better in my memory. I think I'm not where I am, also where, where I'm usually am, but it's way better, right? And we've only working on this for well, the past two months, no? And um, the third one, I felt like the inflammation kind of like in my face, especially like under the eyes or like around lips or, you know, like inflammation, especially on my tummy that has, you know, changed a lot. Another one that I felt is uh, more kind of like restorative sleep and not everything because of, you know, because of my gut. <laughs> and I would say another one that I've, felt is kind of like having a clearer ability to feel my emotions right kind of like before it was just kind of like i know that something is happening emotionally, and i know that it's uncomfortable but i can actually kind of like read quite easily what it is and right now it's kind of like easy okay that might be resentment that might be despair that might be hopelessness that might be uh, joyfulness that might be, you know, um, being grateful. That might be, you know, any other emotion and experience that you can, you know, coin. So I felt that kind of like sensitivity. So I felt those are these, these six points in the past two months. That's amazing. And it's all through the God. It's a, isn't it amazing? I mean, at the end, it's the biggest organ. Yeah. Our big intestine is like seven meters. Yeah, I don't know how, what's that in feet and inches, but it's it's too long, man, for ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. I think this information is so valuable, and I think it should be kind of like mandatory to check your, our guts. Maybe I don't know. You can tell us like once a year, twice, once every two years. I don't know, but like you know, to be testing or like checking our gut health often, right? So when we are kind of like getting this balance to see, you know, where, where we're sorry, and we can address it. Where to start. Exactly. Yes. And that's actually an awesome recommendation because I, I, 
I don't feel good. I don't feel myself where to start. Don't go to, maybe not, it's not an antidepressant. Maybe, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's not an antidepressant. Maybe it's not uh, a, a medicine. No, it's check your gut first. So that's a good way to start for sure. Actually, about like two, three weeks ago, I got a bad bacteria on my th throat. I, I got pharyngitis. It was like a streptococcus, which is so, and I don't get sick because of my lifestyle, but sometimes it comes, it comes by, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I don't want to take antibiotics, you know, because at the end, uh, there's a lot of side effects and it destroys your God. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna definitely, I'm gonna pass, I'm gonna get past this. Uh, I'm gonna endure it. I'm gonna endure the temperature. I was already in 30.8 of temperature and I was sweating. I was feeling really bad and I saw my throat and it was white. So I'm like, this is definitely a bacteria. I need to take an antibiotic. Okay, I'm gonna restore my God afterwards. It's okay, you know, I was mad because I, I don't like antibiotics. And after I, I took it and for two to three weeks, people were telling me, how are you? And I just wanted to respond, irregulated. Mm. My nervous system was not myself. Yeah. I was a little bit more responsive to stress. Mm -hmm. Everything uh, was making me a little bit more anxious. And I'm usually like a sensitive. I'm like really at ease all the time. I'm well regulated. And I was really, in, I was really at awe of that decision, how it made me feel for about two to th two, three weeks that I started my intestinal protocol. I usually give my patients to yeah. eliminate because maybe the antibiotic gave me a little bit of candida, mm -hmm. obviously. So I had, I had to work through the gut to regulate myself again. And I was like, Oh gosh, uh, I, it, it happens. Wow. And I was really impacted on, on, on how uh, an irregulated God and balanced God regulates everything. Everything else. Totally. And I think that, well, I heard from the scientific community that new studies are going to come out soon about um, how bad antibiotics are. I don't know exactly, you know, the whole details, but what I've heard is that new studies are coming from, I think from Arizona, from the University of Arizona, and there are also uh, other ones coming from Europe. And it's not that they're banning kind of like antibiotics, of course not, because obviously they save our lives and, you know, we owe them so much in our human evolution. And of course they have done us, you know, great good, but they're going to be way more regulated in the sense that, you know, it's not, it won't be that easy to, you know, um, give anybody an, an, an antibiotic so fast, kind of like, okay, so maybe you have a little bit of fever, let's have antibiotics because the side effect that, that taking that antibiotic is going to have on your gut health for the next weeks is going to have a huge impact. And some, for some people, it's not even weeks, it could be years, right? If that, you know, gut imbalance, gets, you know, worse and worse because then it gets, you know, it kills the good bacteria and then you're more prone to illnesses. And then, you know, we start in this also, you know, vicious cycle that it's nonstop. And I think that all of this information, Clau, and I think that's a lot of responsibility of the work that you do, you know, and many health practitioners like you have is, you know, being able to democratize this information to make it accessible for more people around the world to reach at it. Because if it can change 
our anxiety, if it can change our depression, if it can change our self-esteem, if it can change or regulate or make better our nervous system, imagine the quality of life that people around the world could be having by accessing this kind of information. It's and I'm really excited to see the studies because they um because antibiotics penicillin Alexander Fleming in 1917 I don't know when it was that he discovered penicillin it was such a groundbreaking study that nobody paid attention to the side effects because it was saving lives you know. So it, it was it was saving life that the side effects that we don't care. And I, I when I when I had COVID, COVID, my doctor that was seeing me, he was like, take an antibiotic. I'm like, it's a virus. Why am I gonna take an antibiotic? Because it's not a bacteria. Because you're more susceptible and then you can cut a bacteria, but I'm not cutting the bacteria. It's a virus. Why am I gonna do that to my God? It was it was a fight. No, and he was like, you're crazy, you know? And I'm like, no, I know how, what an antibiotic does to my God. I don't want to have so, bad self-esteem for, for two months. I don't want to be regulated. I don't want my levels of stress to increase. So I, it, that, we need more regulation on, on antibiotics for sure. And sometimes um, the scientific community research have to put the study in our faces in order for us to rationally be like, okay, we have to do that, you know? Yeah. We have to be, we have to be careful, mm -hmm. you know? Because, I mean, when was it? I'm going to go like 2,000 years ago in the plague in, um, in Athens where there was a war in Sparta. Mm -hmm. um, there was a huge plague and a lot of people died because it was a bacteria. But the people who didn't die they had an adaptive immune response um, that um, their own body protected them. Wow. So we, we have forgotten our adaptive immunity. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that we live in a world that it's really different. About 2,000 years ago, I know that we're exposed to other types of, of toxicity and it's not helping, but we have that adaptive immunity and we're forgotten about that as well. Totally. And we have all of these, you know, we have this human body that, you know, it's doing this trillion processes every minute, right? In front of us, and this miraculous machine that we inhabit in. And sometimes we forget kind of like the power that we have with it, no? And more, you know, I'm happy that nowadays we're seeing, you know, more of these um, kind of like, you know, um, influencers and, you know, people having these new theories, for example, the Iceman, right? That, you know, talks about what, so why we are not using the temperature regulating system that we have. And because we're using hats and we're using, you know, gloves and we're using jackets and, you know, the instant that, you know, the weather goes down by five degrees Celsius, right? Eventually we're not using, and we're kind of like disturbing the natural essence that those systems that we're built with has and that's why you know getting ourselves exposed to for example you know to cold that actually helps a lot and to bring our bodies into more 
you know, alkaline states. If your body is alkaline there, then there's no space for disease, right? If you have a good gut, there's no space for disease, right? Because it helps with inflammation. So we, we have that naturally. We just have gotten inside the way because of the way our civilization and our culture works right now. But it's not too late to have that U-turn and especially relating to our emotions and relating to our self-esteem and relating to this anxiety and depression epidemic that we're living right now because the change it's in front of us it's in our hands the change to start feeling better starts there in our gut in taking care and taking responsibility of the things that we can start working on no? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm there with you totally for sure. There, there's actually a doctor, she, her, her name is Sarah Campbell. She says that the, this ease is simply pointing us to places in which we are not free. Yeah. When I read that quote, I was really moved mm -hmm. because uh, when we have a disease, basically we're, we're not free in a way. And there's another quote that brings from this quote that brings me to another quote from Dr. Joe Khan. He's a cardiologist. He says, when, when you have good health, you have 10,000 dreams. And when you don't have good health, you just have one dream. Mm -hmm. You have good health. health. And that brings me to what you're saying. Know that at the end, it's our decision. At the end, but we've been influenced a lot. I, I, I wish through this talk, people can get their hand on their decisions mm -hmm. and um, take care, have the responsibility to take care of the body and also to filter information. It's really important because there's a lot of information right now. And part of my job, I, 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 I write this newsletter every single week mm -hmm. because I want to help people filter their uh, information, have their own like um, uh, critique. Yeah. And, and if they read something, say, ah, no, I know that this is not for me because I know this information. Mm -hmm. Because especially right here in Mexico. I don't know if that happens in other countries, maybe in India, maybe in, I, I don't know, that the doctor is the authority in whatever he or she says you have to do. And we forget to trust ourselves, to trust our God instinct in a way, to trust what we have read, which is evidence-based through good information. And, and yeah, at the end, this ease is, is pointing out where we're not, free and it's yeah. our decision. Totally. The thing about kind of like having that own responsibility and having your own take on your health. I think that, well, that has happened a lot to me, for example, with my kids, right? When they, when they've gotten sick, for example, I had, you know, two episodes that, you know, the pediatrician was sending us, you know, uh, some stuff, you know, like specific antibiotic or something. And the homopathic doctor was telling me, for example, there was a specific case, both of them, they were telling me, this is viral, this is viral, this is viral, it will go away. And I was here with my kid having this terrible fever. And I was like, no, this is not viral. This is bacteria. <laughs> 
how do I know? I don't know. I just, I just know. Right. And the things that they were, you know, uh, recommending me to give him, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to buy them because I know that this, this is, this is bacteria. No. And I think that it's also always important to listen to yourself. Maybe at some point we're going to, you know, make their wrong decisions. And, but sometimes we're going to coin them and it's important to at least do the exercise and start learning and start, you know, getting in touch with our decision process and being responsible for our decisions for decisions and start kind of like learning for ourselves right um how to make the right decisions because all the day every every second of our day we're making decisions it's the moment that we wake up if we wake up to work out or not if we wake up to meditate if we, if we are going late to to work or whatever we're doing we're making decisions all the time but most of the times they're not conscious decisions so it's important yeah um, and I want to get back to what you were saying while you were experimenting, like the die-off of the candida and uh, rebooting your digestive system, that you started to confine more or understand and coin your different type of emotions. Mm. So, and that helped you listen listen better to your gut instinct. Exactly. I actually, so again, when you're lost, when you are when you are not connecting that mind body um, communication, start with your gut. Mm-hmm. I actually I just took a course in MIT uh, of neuroscience for business, mm-hmm. and they actually talked about the psychobiotic revolution. It was super interesting that MIT was connecting this because they're like so scientific, rational, you know, and. Um, and they were actually talking about interoception, hmm. which is a concept on how to connect with your God instinct. And hmm. I, I, and I, and I was, I was like, uh, how can you connect to your God instinct if your God is not well balanced? And you proved that point to me right now when you were telling me about the diet of your candidate and how were you, you were connecting with yourself better. Of course, it has, it opens this perception to, you know, feel or to be more sensitive to read your emotions instead of just feeling them like this wave of emotions being, you know, thrown at you. Eventually you can kind of like, you know, be releasing the, the knots little by little and, you know, seeing the parts of your emotions with more sensitivity, right? There's this book about Brene Brown that's called The Atlas of the Heart, which is an amazing book. And she talks about that she did a lot of, um, she interviewed many people about what were the main emotions that, that that they were feeling. And most of the people responded only three emotions, three emotions. That's it. That's it. Imagine like our whole human experience being coined in three emotions. That was happiness, sadness, and anger. And then her book actually talks about 87 types of emotions and experiences. And she uses the word experiences because not all of them are emotions. And she talks about, you know, wonder and awe and, you know, joyfulness and resentment and, you know, bittersweet and in many other states that we experience as human beings. So I think like recovering my gut has given me that sensitivity to feel those emotions better than before. I, I think I was... If, if, I, if I was in, in that study before I got my God regulated, I would be like those people that responded with only three emotions. <laughs> and now I can feel, you know, many more. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. I also have Atlas of the Heart. And I saw her interview, I think it was an HBO Max. It was like a, a four series uh, thingy. 
that, yeah, that she says that people can just say if, if they're sad, angry, or happy. When there's, like you said before, despair, fear, um, insecurity, a lot of things, 87, it's, it's huge. And that, that reminds me of, there's a doctor, a chiropractor. I'm actually certifying myself in methodology. It's called foundational training. Mm -hmm. It's getting in touch more with your, um, with your muscles that are not strong to learn to listen to it and know how to work the type of muscles that they're not strong or they're not supporting your body right now, which is like keeping in, in your body even more. Right. And he says, People who know how to translate symptoms will be healthier and optimized. Mm. And that happens with emotions as well. Mm-hmm. With physical symptoms and emotions, imagine a world when someone can tell you exactly their physical symptoms and exactly their emotions. Mm. That, that's in t- emotional and physical intelligence at its best. Totally. That's optimized. You know, that's Zen, Mona, I don't know, that would be great. See, it's just kind of like having this uh, relationship with each other with assertiveness, with complete honesty, right? Sometimes irony and sarcasm, for example, sometimes they hide kind of like honesty, right? So it's kind of like a way to show that passive aggressiveness without honestly kind of like addressing the honesty that you need to have with that person, right? So I think it would it would create uh, a more um, a peaceful world, <laughs> right? If people would be... So, you know, I think our empathetic skills will definitely be helped for sure. Yeah, totally. totally. That's totally. so interesting. This is amazing, Claudia. This this talk has been fascinating. And before we close, I would like to ask you a few questions. There's 10 questions. The idea would be for you to respond in one word or a few words. Just try to keep it short, no? But uh, it's the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Um, what is art for you? Ready. Amazing. What is art Self-express- for you? Self-expression. Mm, amazing. Your favorite author? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna, I know that it's gonna be super weird from me to answer this, but Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. An advice that changed your life. Um, we're, We're not disposable. The best quality in humans. Curiosity. I love that. A book that you recommend? How to Do the Work from Dr. Nicole Lepera. What's it about? It's um, it's actually how to do your emotional work and mm-hmm. connect um, your body, your physiological symptoms, and your emotional symptoms, and bring them together. Mm. And I and I she's called actually a holistic psychologist on Instagram. I don't know if you've heard of her, and yeah. she had, and I really does believe that she does a really good work with that book. Mm, that's amazing, amazing. Um, what feeds your soul? Good, insightful conversations. The most pressing issue for humanities, or one of the most pressing issues for humanity. Um. To be scared of doing the work. Mm-hmm. 
if humans can agree on this, you will be very happy. I love that question. I haven't thought of that. Of that. What if everything would agree? That um, I have this theme these days that men and women, we are not created equal, but we deserve to be treated equally. Mm. So if we agree on that, I think it will be a much better world. Yeah, we'll have an amazing world. <laughs> totally. We, we can make ourselves stronger. So that mm. would be great. Totally. Uh, what would you like to scream to the whole world? It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> I like that one. And the last one, what is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing? Okay, again, again. What is it that you have lived and that no one could miss experiencing? Mm. Uh, that's a good one, man. I'm, I'm digging deep in my cognitive research. Um, <laughs> You know, this is going to sound really weird, but I work in a dolphinarium. Is that what you call a dolphinarium? Dolphinarium? Yes. Dolphinarium. Um, you work with del dolphins uh -huh. and sea lions. And I worked for that for like four months. Mm -hmm. I, I was teaching, um, it was when dolphins give certain type of energy to kids that have, um, are different. Mm -hmm. And, um, Working with dolphins and working with sea lions, even though they're animals and the power that they have and the power we have to connect with animals, I think I would love for everybody to experience that that amazing connection that we have. That I, I actually thought that I was talking to a sea lion because I was more in charge of the sea lions hmm. for a while. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing to work with animals that way. Certainly, because that human connection expands to different species. And that feels quite right. fulfilling, right? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Totally. Amazing. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Clau. Thanks so much for your wisdom, for your experience, for sharing all of this valuable information with me, with us, with the Luan community. It has been really valuable, everything that you shared. And thank you so much for sharing you know, your knowledge with us for being so generous to, you know, sharing uh, the lessons that you've learned around your path. So thank you. Marion, thank you so much for inviting me. I had a blast, man. Your knowledge, your insightful information, how you view the world, what you read. I think that made an awesome conversation. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Mm, thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.